Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power to make this life free and beautiful to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Prey on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. Genetic power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a kid that's found his dad's gun. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc is now in the possession of the Army. Too many others know what's happening out there, and no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. About time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Broadcasting from the Sonoran Desert, I'm your host, Ryan Gable, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings Radio, airing five nights a week, Monday through Friday, on GroundZero.radio and the Aftermath FM app. Those are the two most reliable ways to listen to the show. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight, coming over from Clyde, or maybe just finding the show randomly. 
or finding us in the radio archive, either on a radio podcast player or at www.thesecretteachings.info. It's totally free to listen to The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday and, of course, after the show. But if you'd like to get rid of the monetized advertisements, you can subscribe to our archive. I'd really appreciate if you do that. We don't have any financial backing, so when you donate $10 for the monthly subscription or 50 for the year, you get more than just the show. You get the montages, digital copies of my books to read or download. You get the private RSS feed and more at www.thesecretteachings.info. Thank you so much for those of you who already support the show. If you don't like PayPal anymore because of what PayPal was threatening to do to users, I have the Cash app now on the website. There is a link and a QR code for that. I'm trying to set up another payment processor at the moment. If you have any questions about that or anything else, show-related or otherwise, rdgable at yahoo.com. That's r-d-g-a-b-l-e at yahoo.com. Everyone who's asked me over the last couple of months to get a certain guest on, some people have sent me contact information for certain guests. I've reached out to all of them. I've received no response back from anybody. So I'm not sure if that's an email issue or if people are super busy or what the issue might be if there is an issue. I did decide to open up a new email, though, tstradio at protonmail.com. I'm hoping that, unlike my very old Yahoo account, that account will not be either put into spam for one reason or another or sent, in some cases, directly to the trash. I've had a lot of email issues. So rdgable at yahoo.com or tstradio at protonmail.com. And I am reading your emails. Sometimes people send very long emails. So if I don't get a chance to respond back to that, I'm probably seeing it. I just don't always have time to respond back to everything. So here on The Secret Teachings, if you don't know, I do a little bit of everything, producing, hosting, obviously, preparing for the show, post-production, promotion. I don't have anybody that works with me. So again, if you support the show uh, financially, or if you just listen to the free archive, that supports us as well. Share the show, let your friends and family know about the show. I'd really, really appreciate it. Again, thank you so much for tuning in. It is Friday night into Saturday morning, the 28th into the 29th, and we are approaching Halloween. I love talking about Halloween, especially because Halloween, at least you know, in my view, maybe you disagree, but in my view, Halloween is not a dark and satanic and evil holly or holy day. Halloween is quite the opposite. Halloween is a special time of the month, a special time of the year in which we turn to the other side. We look to our ancestors. We look to perform acts of divination. We use Ouija boards or talking boards, spirit boards. We use tarot cards. We use tea leaves. We use pretty much anything we can think of, even just prayer, meditation. Now, we don't consciously do that in a lot of Western society, but we do things that traditionally and symbolically are based on the original practices of those who celebrated uh, the Celts, for one, the tradition of Halloween. November 1st for the Celtic people and for other people uh, in various parts of Europe, a lot of pagan cultures, they actually celebrated the New Year on November 1st. 
the church basically integrated that into what we call All Saints Day, All Souls Day. So you have All Hallows Eve, the 31st and the 1st and 2nd. So it's a three-day festival, a three-day holly or holy day. Like we discussed last night, three-day festivals for Yule, Ostara, Letha, and Maybon. Those are the solstices and the equinoxes. If you listened last night, or if you have a copy of my book, Occult Arcana, I take you through the apocalypse, which is the great unveiling. It is the fall of man or the fall of the veil. The black horse of the apocalypse carrying the scales to weigh the souls rides upon the earth. It is the final judgment thus. And that black horse is intimately connected to the story of Persephone and Demeter. The black horse pulling the chariot of Hades as he kidnaps Persephone. It's all a metaphor. And Demeter, her mother, is very upset and distraught, so she allows the earth to die. She's a goddess of grain, a goddess of agriculture like Saturn. And when the earth dies, we call that fall. We call that winter. And the natural cycles that we know and some of us kind of take for granted and might not even recognize we're going through, except, hey, it's cold out. Time for, uh, you know, some coffee or a hot chocolate. And then, hey, it's warm again. Time to take the sweater off. These stories and these ideas, these concepts, these archetypes are embedded in so much of not only ancient mythology, but more contemporary forms of mythology that are promulgated through pop culture, Hollywood, etc. And of course, those ideas are coming from more ancient conceptual ideas, uh, archetypes, etc. And uh, I find it utterly fascinating. Another thing I find utterly fascinating is that we really, really like Halloween. First of all, we spend a lot of money on Halloween. We talked about this last night. Let's just say, well, we'll look at America in in particular, because not everybody celebrates Halloween and and celebrates it in the same way we do. Uh, The the Asian cultures have the Hungry Ghost Festival. The Chinese have that. uh, Malaysia and some other countries celebrate it. It's very similar to our Halloween, the Koreans have a very similar type of tradition, uh, more so for each ancestor um, or each relative who dies. And Americans, uh, you know, we love, I mean, we have an excess and abundance here in this country that's really unfathomable to some people around the world. So we, sp- if you don't know anything about American Halloween, we, we have all, I mean, we spend a lot uh, of money on, on Halloween in the United States. Uh, we're talking a couple hundred bucks each, uh, billions of dollars uh, for Halloween, billions and billions of dollars. Um, it's kind of an unbelievable amount of money that we spend. Uh, tens of billions, uh, some estimates, I mean, are, are even higher than that. Uh, I've read, I read an estimate uh, last night that said $100 billion, uh, and we talked about that throughout the show. Um, I'm not... I mean, to be fair with you, a hundred billion dollars. I was thinking about that after the show, and I thought, "There's no way we spent a hundred billion dollars. That's like military-industrial complex money." Uh, but I don't know. I read one estimate; it was as a hundred billion. You know, other estimates, it's like ten billion. So either way, we spend a lot. We spend a lot of money on Halloween. It's a lot of of money, and uh, we want to we want to decorate our houses and have fun. And, and I mean, a lot of people aren't going to be having fun this year because. Well, according to a survey a study, this came out a few days ago. It's, it's, this is from uh, studyfinds.org. Halloween canceled 52% in the study. 
won't give trick-or-treaters candy this year. Many people blame inflation. Out of these Americans, one in four blame inflation for spoiling this year's festivities. That shouldn't come as much of a Halloween shocker since inflation rose to a 40-year high in 2022. So a lot of people studied, a lot of people surveyed, aren't going to give out candy. I don't even think people, do people even do this much anymore? Now you have the trunk or treat where you go to the church and you trick or treat out of the trunks. And, you know, there's that old myth. I don't know if it's still around. There's an old myth about the razor blades and the candy. And people were really scared. So they either they checked all the candy or the apple. And that happened one time. And there was like one actual case of that. And then it's like this Halloween tradition to be afraid of the of the razor blade in the apple or in the candy or something like that. Which, I mean, if you really want to be scared, turn over the package of the candy and read the package. It's pretty terrifying what's in those things. It's it's mostly just genetically modified corn. It's just syrups and sugars and dyes that cause liver toxicity, cancer, kidney toxicity, DNA damage, hyperactivity, hypersensitivity, skin rashes, you know, you name it, the list goes on and on. I mean, so that, I mean, that's, that's in my view, that's, what's really scary. We actually talked about this last uh, Friday night, Halloween serial killers, the show we did. And on that show, we looked at uh, blue one, blue two and red 40 and how they cause DNA damage and how it's kind of ironic that people won't go get a COVID-19 shot because of the MRNA, but They'll go eat blueberry or Count Chocula or Halloween candy, which has food dye, which literally changes your DNA, according to the studies on those food dyes, which I, I find that just stunningly ironic. Uh, that show is Halloween Serial Killers. It's in the archive on the website. So in looking through all this, I you know so we talked about last night the prices of candy that have soared 14% for Snickers, 42% for Skittles, 20, uh, close to 20% for Butterfinger. I think it's like, uh, no, no, maybe that's actually a little bit lower. It's 7% for Butterfinger. Excuse me. It's almost 20 for M&Ms. And then Starburst went up 35%. Some candies are going up like 53, 54, 55%. I mean, still, I guess, cheap for what you're getting. You're still, you're still overpaying for it. But, you know, in, in terms of like how we compare a purchase, I mean, what are, what are people going to buy up? candy bar that's twice as much now or you're going to buy like uh you know a head of cabbage you're probably still going to go for the candy bar so candy is much more expensive and a lot of people because of that aren't probably aren't going to hand out a lot of candy this year i don't know i don't know how you guys feel i don't know how anybody feels about um about trick-or-treating or about halloween we used to be it was like one night halloween is basically turned into voting it's like you just vote the whole month it's just election month or it's election two or three months. That's kind of like what Halloween is. Like they, they actually took down some of the Halloween stuff already at the stores around here in Tucson, and there's Christmas stuff up already. We have it, it's not, there's not even, we haven't even celebrated Halloween yet. And they've already taken it down and put, it, put up Christmas stuff at some places. We're just trying to always rush and rush and rush and get ahead. And it, we're always scared we're going to miss something. We're scared we're not going to, I guess we're not going to, Christmas is going to go away if we don't celebrate it or decorate for it earlier. I don't know what people are thinking. I, I, you know, also last night I talked about, I don't know what this whole thing's about, but the Playboy bunny costume, which is iconic. And 
I don't know. I'd say it's it's a classy costume. Um, we're not allowed to wear that costume anymore because of Hugh Hefner. They say it enables rape culture, according to Yahoo Life and a bunch of other articles. It enables rape culture, you know, but the slutty way that people tend to dress around town any other day of the week, that doesn't enable rape culture, just the costume, because it's associated with Hugh Hefner. So I guess that enables rape culture. I don't know. I mean, the what about these other Halloween costumes we talked about last night? Uh, some of the most popular costumes I read off the list, witch, fairy, cheerleader, Harley Quinn, and uh, angels, dolls, vampires. These are all things that are super sexual, super sexual. Um, I mean, I I saw a cheerleader costume at the store, and it was basically you either get you get you either get slut cheerleader or you get Vambi zombie a zombie cheerleader, right? There's like no in between anymore. Everything comes with a vial of blood. Everything's a zombie or a vampire, and everything's slutty. The nun is slutty. The Egyptian costume is slutty. The pirate costume is slutty. I saw slutty Ghostbuster costumes, Wizard of Oz costumes. <laughs> the only thing that wasn't slutty in the store I went to was, you know, the kids section. And even that is questionable for what they want, you know, what you can put your little daughter in. So those are some of the things that don't make any sense to me. I don't really understand it. I think we have greatly misplaced our priorities in terms of what, what we're concerned with. I mean, I, I would love to see instead... I mean, I don't care if you eat candy, but I would love to see instead people say, hey, you know what? We're going to boycott the Mars Corporation this year. We're not going to stomach this garbage. And the thing is, you can make candy without the kinds of things they make it with. So, I mean, you can get high quality candy. Uh, it's still candy, but it's high quality in the sense that it's not super mega ultra processed, modified genetically corn and soy and food dyes and things like that. You can get better candy. So, you know, it's not, it's like, it's not about not having candy. You can still get candy. So these, I mean, these companies, I'd like to see somebody, you know, the people that are protesting or whatever they are on social media, the playboy bunny costume. I bet you that costume is going to surge in sales this year. That's what always happens. You protest it. And I mean, look what happened with the morons that threw the the soup on the Van Gogh painting. We talked about that last week with Frank from Quite Frankly. The show was called Warhol-like footing. And when we talked about that on the show, I mean, what, what do we find? More people want to go buy a steak and want to go buy, go buy milk and have cereal or something because these morons were protesting by throwing tomato soup onto a painting or... Other morons were pouring out milk at the grocery store or smashing meat counters or throwing cheese away. You could have given it to homeless people. You could have stolen it and instead of destroy it, something that's already produced. So now not only are you destroying food, but you're destroying something that has been um, that has already passed. It's I guess you could say carbon emission phase it's already been manufactured it's already been transported it's right there for you to buy and then they just destroy it and what does that make people want to do it makes people want to go eat cheese and meat meat and drink milk and in the same way that you know people talk about restricting access to guns and then what happens gun sales go up so the playboy bunny costume is probably <laughs> probably going to go up 
It's probably going to go up in cost, and a bunch of people are probably going to buy it this year. Uh, that's just on the Halloween side of things. That's the candy, the costumes, a lot of stuff we discussed last night. Um, again, uh, the I, I can't believe, I, I, I was reading last night the one estimate, $100 billion. It's, I can't believe that, though. I, I don't know. I, it's probably, unless it was a typo, it could have been maybe closer to $10 billion. I don't know. It's, it's lots. We spend billions of dollars on Halloween. It's a lot of money because we want to be frightened. We want to be scared. I don't know if you saw this article. Uh, there's actually several of these articles. It's very um, a non-political thing. So it's, it's everywhere from Fox News to CNN to live science and Discovery News and all the others. It is a close-up photograph of an ant's face. And I used it for the promo picture tonight if you haven't seen it. Or you could just type in close-up ant's face online. It's a close-up photograph of an ant that was submitted to the 48th annual Nikon Small World Photo Micrography Competition. And it's really, really kind of a disturbing image. It's a real close-up image of an ant. It was captured by Dr. Eugene, uh, Eugenius. This is a very long last name. Caval Iaskas of uh, Lithuania. And it shows close-up of the ant, these little red eyes, a uh, very angry expression, kind of looks very mean, like a scowl, and uh, what looked like sharp teeth. And the image was captured using reflected light with five times objective lens magnification, according to the competition. And it's all over the internet now. It's one of those viral things. Uh, This came out last week. And if you haven't seen it yet, I'm sure most of you have scrolled past it. Maybe you didn't think much about it. You know what it kind of looks like? It kind of looks like the, the cockroach from Men in Black is what it reminds me of. Is really, really kind of a scary thing. It almost looks like teeth or almost like saliva or drool. It, it does, as the articles I've read kind of rightfully states, it does kind of give horror movies and, you know, Halloween movies and things like that a, a run for their money. It's a very disturbing image. And the reason I thought that the image was interesting is that the, the idea that something like an ant, you look at an ant or you look at an insect and that they can be so terrifying because one, we think of like, you know, a little, little thing like this, a little creature like this, and it's small and it's away from us. Even if it's on us, we brush it off. But, you know, microcosm, macrocosm, macrocosm, microcosm, the things that we see on the microcosm exist on the macrocosm. So what about, I mean, like, yeah, men in black, what about a giant cockroach or something like that? I mean, it would look, would look monstrous, but does that mean that it's evil? Uh, does that mean that it's, you know, an actual monster? You know, ants just do their little thing and they, you know, if you get in their path, they make a path around where, where you disturb their path and they, they collect food and they carry 50 times or so their body weight and they just do their thing and, just leave them alone. There's nothing evil or demonic or monstrous about the ant. But you zoom in and you see that face and it's, it's kind of a scary thing. And it's something that, of course, we, we love about Halloween. We love to be scared collectively. We spend a lot of money on Halloween, but we also spend a lot of attention, a lot of uh, energy. 
a lot of uh, things that feed into uh, archetypes and symbols. And like here in Tucson, we have the, the old Tucson where they used to shoot a lot of movies out it's west of the city. And there's this thing called Nightfall. And it's kind of like, a, I haven't been to it. I've just read about it. So I've, I've kind of, I think it's kind of like a haunted series of like haunted houses and scary costumes. It's, it's almost like a desert version of Halloween Horror Nights in Orlando at Universal. And th- I mean, I was, I was out at the Tucson Mountain Park the other night and just watching the sunset. And we're driving back and we just, there was a police uh, SUV out there with its lights on, which it's weird because, you know, you don't see a ton of people out there. And they had this like light set up on the road. So we, I drove out there and then we realized, oh, this is, it said there's an event tonight. And I was wondering what it was. And I realized it was this, this nightfall, which I imagine has to be a little scarier because it's kind of in the middle of the nowhere, in the middle of nowhere in the desert. And we're driving back and it's just like car after car after car. There's like thousands of people it looked like coming to this thing. People love being scared. And and, and I, I want to know why it is that we want to be scared. We, we know about the Halloween traditions, the trick-or-treating, the costumes. We know about the, uh, the inflation of candy prices this year and what costume you can and can't wear. But I want to know why we're scared. I want to know why we want to be scared. I want to know why we, we actively seek out things that frighten us. I mean, I don't personally. But uh, maybe I, maybe I seek out things that make me angry when I read, when I read the news. But I want to know why we want to be frightened, why we um, seek out things that scare us. And I think part of it has to do with chemicals in the brain and feeling in a safe environment. We can experience something terrifying. And one might think that this would desensitize us to horror. Some psychologists believe it actually has the opposite effect. It can actually be very therapeutic. So tonight on The Secret Teachings, we're going to talk about how we deal with terror, how we deal with horror, how we deal with things that are pretty scary, how we deal with things that um, we are allowed to experience through video games or through movies or through haunted houses from a safe environment that will allow us, depending on the psychologist you talk to, to... um, to actually learn how to deal with uh, things in the real world uh, in a way that is kind of, um, I don't know, almost comical or at least non-threatening. It's really interesting. I did a lot of reading on psychology, and I want to share with you what I learned tonight on the show. This is The Secret Teachings. It's a nightmare before All Hallows' Eve. There's a lot more after this. Don't go anywhere. You are listening to The Secret Teachings. To contact the show, to share information and your opinion, or give recommendations, email rdgable at yahoo.com. Visit the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings, or visit the website at www.thesecretteachings.info. If you enjoy The Secret Teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, grab a physical and digital copy of his books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. 
food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. Visit thesecretteachings.info. People ask me all the time what they can do to take control of their lives when facing a daily onslaught of dis- and misinformation. I say take control of your body and mind with water filtration. Visit www.thesecretteachings.info and click on our affiliate sponsor link with Pro One Water Filters at the top of the page to search for a water filter for the home, camping trip, and even the shower. They filter countless contaminants and make a wonderful gift for friends, family, and yourself. That's Pro One Water Filters at thesecretteachings.info. The Secret Teachings Radio Show is on Facebook and Twitter. Just search facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings to like us and TST underscore underscore radio to tweet with us. If you'd like to hear more of The Secret Teachings, if you missed a show or part of a show, sign up to the ever-expanding archive at thesecretteachings.info. When you subscribe for a month or a year, you get access to the full show archive to every show after it airs. You can download and stream unlimited episodes and share your login with friends or family. With your subscription, you can also get access on the website to all of Ryan's digital books and the ever-growing montage archive. Just visit thesecretteachings.info and click on the Donate Subscribe tab at the top of the page. Use the secure PayPal link and start your membership today. By subscribing, you support The Secret Teachings, Ryan, and yourself. Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Excellent shows. Keep listening with your host, Ryan Gable. Think about your hero when you're at ground zero and crawl up to the fall of back to me. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is the frequency of The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Hi everyone, this is Mark Passio, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Every year for Halloween, we want to be scared. We want to be frightened. Some people don't want to be scared or frightened, though. I'm one of those people. I don't like to be scared. I don't like to really watch scary movies. Definitely don't like to watch horror movies. I, I think maybe I watch a horror movie before I'd watch a, like a gory movie. I, I just don't like stuff like that myself. But I was wondering why we like this kind of stuff. Like why it's, it's such a powerful thing for some people. So I started reading about some of the psychology behind it. Why do we celebrate um, Halloween with the most gory, bloody, psychotic, deathly things you can imagine? And uh, part of that is because when we get into a situation, let's say we play a really scary, dark, violent video game, we play that game in the comfort of our own home. So... Basically, we're safe. Psychologists call this the safety net. So it doesn't matter if we're watching a film, if we're playing a video game, or if we're in a haunted house, our brains are evaluating the situation and determining if we should be frightened enough to leave the situation. Some people are. Some people react that way. But a lot of people, they enjoy it. They actually get a flood of adrenaline and uh, endorphins and dopamine 
And when this is happening, this is a positive thing for some people. So they're staying in these environments and uh, they want to be scared because in, in, uh, in other words, you can control the fear. You can control the suspense. Like if you're watching, we, we learned this in film school, although it's not really something that, you know, you, if someone told you, you'd be like, yeah, that sounds obvious. One of the things we did in film school is we watched like a 10 minute clip of something that was like real, was supposed to be kind of scary, suspenseful at least. And then we watched it again with no sound. And that's, you know, proof in point. You can control the fear. You can control the suspense from the safety of your couch, from the safety of your, um, you know, your, your computer, your tablet, your phone. You are in total control of it in your hand. You can turn it up, turn it down, turn it off, pause it, whatever. So that's one of the reasons that we like horror. That's one of the reasons we like suspense. We can control it. And I, I, I would think that even though we're in control of it, it can be like anything else, though. It can be like pornography or it could be like uh, certain kinds of music where we almost become obsessed with it. And then it, be, it can become a, a, a potentially dangerous thing to the psyche, a potentially dangerous thing or an addictive thing. That's the thing I don't understand when people say, well, marijuana is not addictive. No, marijuana is anything can be addictive. Radio can be addictive. Good things can be addictive. Addictive doesn't even necessarily uh, isn't necessarily even a bad thing. Like you can be addicted to, you know, eating a, I don't know, eating a salad every day. That's not really a dangerous vice. So like things can be addictive without that negative connotation. So we can get addicted to the fear. And I wonder if there aren't certain elements of the fear and the suspense that, that we're so used to being able to control these things that this is one of the reasons that we watch news and this is one of the reasons that all almost all the news we see is is about murders and stabbings and rapes and robberies and all those kinds of things. And then the feel-good moment at the end of the broadcast. I wonder if that's part of the reason in the same way we scroll through Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever apps. I don't know what you're using today. I don't really use apps a lot, but whatever we're scrolling through, I mean, like I have Twitter and I'm, and I watch the nightmare that is Twitter unfold just from a, you know, an outside vantage point a lot of the time. And it's some of the stuff is just the way that people treat each other and the way that people interact with each other. It's, it's it's really scary because people's very base beast-style animal nature comes out for the same reason that we can watch a scary movie from home and and even if you might be a little bit scared, it, you know you're in control of it, you can stop it. It's the same thing on Twitter. Like, you're in control of it or on Facebook, you're in control of it. You can always block the person. You know, you can always block the monster. You can always mute the monster. You can down-like the monster. You can report the monster you can, you can run away from the monster. You can scream at the monster in capital letters. You can call the monster a, you know, a Nazi or whatever people do, a Trump supporter or uh, an election denier or something like that. You can say all kinds of things, and there's virtually no consequences uh, online. So I think we do that for the same reason, or, or, or it's very at least it's similar to when we watch a scary movie or when we go to a haunted house or something like that. And when uh, we know for sure, when we're scrolling through our social media like this, we, we do get a flood of uh, endorphins and dopamine. And especially when those bots post things, you know, like the 
the the was that the Rob Reiner Twitter account? Yeah, I doubt he's actually running that. First of all, he seems like a piece of garbage. Second of all, but third of all, uh, it's probably a bot running that account, just like that other Twitter account, Joe J O, that everybody sees and's all over social media. That blonde girl, supposedly, uh, it's just like it's basically a bot. And you know, when I see those things, kind of gives me an adrenaline rush. And I'm like, I, I, why am I seeing this? I, I blocked these people. I blocked him. I blocked Rob Reiner, and I'm still getting tweets from the guy. I, it's because Twitter is promoting them. Twitter is putting them at the top. But it gives me an adrenaline rush because I'm like, I can't stand this guy. Why do I keep seeing his tweets? So, I mean, we know that just from basic everyday interactions on social media. We get that adrenaline rush, release of endorphins and dopamine, and, and this biochemical rush leads to a opioid-like sense of euphoria, um, even, you know, the anger you can, or the frustration or the whatever it is that you feel when you're online, when you're interacting with other people, these are things that uh, are, I mean, we, we experience them from the safety of wherever we are logging into the internet. So it's part of the safety net effect, but we also can pick up an easy hit of these chemicals and I don't think we're even consciously aware of it. I mean, I'm, I'm victim to it myself a lot more than I'd like to admit. And I don't, even, I don't even really, I mean, I've just been following the political races here in Arizona. And uh, I mean, I, I get kind of upset about it a lot of the time. That's part of, part of what this all is. It's the safety net effect, as they call it, or the flood of uh, chemicals, this biochemical reaction in the body. Other people, and I don't think I'm one of these people, but a lot of people like pushing the envelope. And that means they like to seek out things like roller coasters and they like to see how much they can, they can push themselves to do. Whether that's like you know, extreme sports or it's uh, doing things that are really, really dangerous, but you get a, you get a high out of it. You know, People that kind of like where they rock climb without ropes or... You know, you just, I watched that movie, it was like 127 hours. I think it was 127 hours with James Franco. It's based on the true story of the guy that he's out in Utah and he gets stuck, his arm gets stuck in the rock and he has to cut his arm off. Um, I watched that and that, I mean, that's, that's a good example. It's just like someone who's super extreme, not really preparing for anything, let alone the worst. And then they get into a really bad situation. Well, that's when you have to cut your arm off, (laughs) that's the limit. That's the, that's, that's about as much as you can tolerate. So some people like doing that. And uh, if they're able to endure the barrage of anxiety and suspense and fear, well, you get self-satisfaction out of it. And you get this sense of eu- euphoria out of it in the same way. So it's part of human nature to seek these things out because we're looking for, I mean, what are the basic things that they'll tell you if you watch like, a show about human psychology, or if you watch a lot of health documentaries uh, about obesity or something like that, I watch a lot of stuff like that. They tell you that humans are searching for a few things. We're searching for shelter. This isn't in any particular order. I could let maybe I should maybe I should just do it in order or what I think is the order. We're looking for food. We're looking for water. It's kind of the same thing. We're looking for sex. We're looking for shelter. We're looking for companionship. Those are generally the things that we're looking for. Food, water, shelter, sex, companionship. 
we're looking for things that make us human and allow us to live and to thrive and things that can sustain us. And this is all the animalistic uh, instinct. And it's a positive, driving, progressive force that pushes us to, to survive. So we're looking for those things. So if we can experience things that are dangerous or perceptually dangerous or things that are perceptually scary or terrifying or horrifying, and we can do that from the safety of a place that we can control the, the settings, then we can get an adrenaline rush just like we were actually in the situation that we're, we're watching or playing but we don't actually have to suffer from the potential consequences of being chased by, you know, an ax murderer or the potential consequences of, I guess, I just can't really think of any scary video games right now, but being chased by like, I don't know, resident evil or something, some weird um, experimental genetically modified monsters or something, some weird virus mutation. So that's part of the reason we do it. And we're seeking out these things. So some people try to push it to the limit. This is what psychologists call the pushing of the envelope or the self-satisfaction component or element of why we like to do things that are, that are scary. Another one that's really interesting is the, this is point four out of point five. Another one that's really interesting is, is closeness with others, which is, again, one of those things that we're always searching for. But, you know, it used to be a common piece of dating advice that you take your date to like a scary movie because if the date gets frightened, then, you know, she might curl up and she might need protection, you know, kind of psychologically manipulative. Maybe that I'm sure that some of the more progressive minded people today would think that that's, that's abuse. Um, but it basically, it reinforces the bond between the two people. That's why, you know, guys are told, or at least used to be told, you should take her to a scary movie. Maybe she'll grab you, hold your hand. She'll, she wants to, an instinct of protection from the male force. Uh, probably pretty dead today, I mean, especially because we don't really, we don't really go to movies uh, as much as we watch things at home. Now it's Netflix and chill, I think. Or is that even a thing? I don't know. Uh, so that's another reason. It's just feeling close with others, trying, I guess, trying to get lucky as well. Uh, and then, of course, curiosity is probably the main reason that um, most of us do anything. We're curious. We want to know. We, 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 we want to learn. We want to explore. And especially about things that are not well-defined materially. Is that, is that a word? Materially? Materially? They're not really defined with um, solid lines. They are obscured by the shadows. So we're curious about the dark side of ourselves and of nature. Fear of the unknown is one of the most natural and instinctive fears that we have. And it's also a primal curiosity. We want to know what we don't know. And we may be afraid of what we don't know. And I think that's part of the reason we have this idea of fearing God or someone having the fear of God put in them. Because as powerful as this God concept is, it's also very unknown. So we're afraid of the unknown, but we're made curious by the unknown. So we, we pursue it cautiously, but nevertheless we pursue. 
another way of looking at it is we have a curiosity for the dark side uh, in general, anything dark. So, of course, this is why bands like Black Sabbath call themselves Black Sabbath. It's why radio shows take on similar types of names. Um, late night radio shows cover dark subjects because, well, at night and a darker subject, it's obviously going to get people excited because you're curious. You want to know. You want to learn. And, uh, you know, I mean, I guess it also depends on if you're studying, let's say, Freud or if you're studying more contemporary psychology all psychologists are trying to do is figure out why we do stuff uh, based on one archetypes, although I don't know how much archetypes are considered in modern psychology because I've never taken a modern contemporary psychology class, but based on archetypes, based on personality types, based on, uh, you know, what we like, what our likes and dislikes are. There are a lot of factors that come into play. So, I mean, obviously, all these reasons I mentioned, uh, they all really have to do with the animal self. Um, to experience things that are scary in a safe environment, to feel the euphoria of at the, you know, at the end, you're still safe and you got to experience this horrible thing. You get the dopamine endorphin kick, the adrenaline rush. You get that sense of euphoria, that self-satisfaction with pushing the envelope. Uh, maybe if you take your date to the scary movie, you, you get lucky or something or brings you closer together. But the, you know, that's the idea of closeness and community. It's something we all seek. So that's still part of the human, human instinct. And then we just have a curiosity, which I think that's really the driving force behind a lot of this. I mean, I, I even kind of am curious. I kind of want to go to one of those, uh, want to go to nightfall here in Tucson just to see it. But for like five minutes, like I don't really want to stay there. I just want to kind of see it. I'm curious what it is. Those are the, that's what I'm talking about. It's, it's curiosity. Uh, we know curiosity killed the cat, but curiosity won't necessarily kill us. Curiosity could actually save us, uh, depending on uh, the level of curiosity we have and, and for what thing. So those are some of the reasons that we, we enjoy being scared in general. Uh, those are some of the reasons that we, we like being frightened. Uh, but what about more specific things like, uh, Scary movies, uh, you know, f the scary films, uh, scary video games, like being really particular about um, this observation tonight. You know, you've got um, Norman Bates and Psycho, probably one of the most classic movies. That's one of my favorite movies. You got Freddy, uh, Freddy Krueger, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, Hannibal Lecter. These are like classic, iconic part of the cultural zeitgeist film characters that have... Um, that have been successful uh, at the box office and on DVD and uh, in the popular lexicon, the popular culture, again, the popular zeitgeist. And all the, you know, there's a lot of new horror movies that come out and not everybody likes them, but a lot of enough people still go for, you know, the studios to continue to produce these things, or at least I think so. I don't know. A lot of studios produce crap. I don't even, they lose money on it and they still continue to produce the same crap. So I don't think it works the same way it used to, but nevertheless, still get scary movies. And, um, you know, movies that are coming out today seem to be, in some ways, some scary movies, it almost is like they're, they're not as scary because everything is so computer generated now. It's almost like we've eliminated the, the, you know, the ability to even experience remote fear. 
I'm not, let me try to explain that. I hope that makes sense. But let me try to explain that in a different way. How about like if you look at it from the point of view of if you know if you have an old classical like you know a, a, a scary movie, something like yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street or something like uh, uh, I mean I don't know how scary Psycho is to people, but it's a frightful movie psychologically. Uh, or Hannibal Lecter, that's it's a pretty scary movie. Um, maybe Jeepers Creepers for some people. I mean, I guess some people scared of Resident Evil. Uh, there's so many different horror movies. I mean, honestly, I I'm scared of. Uh, I don't like the um, Nightmare Before Christmas. I don't like t- a lot of Tim Burton stuff. It just the, the animations kind of creeps me out. I don't like it. But it, if you look at it from this point of view, at least like if there's something real about it. There's something real about. Um, when you see things like uh, claymation or, I mean, that's a silly example, but it's a good example. You see something like claymation or you see something like a guy in a mask, an actor in a mask or, um, you know, somebody on screen, I don't know, like saw, which is just like kind of gory and disturbing. At least it's physically there. It's physically there on the screen. It's physically there being shot. So, you know, there's, there's a, a disconnect now, I think in a lot of, horror and a lot of scary things because what's happening is we're taking the guy with the mask off the set we're taking the scary stuff off the set and now it's just all done in the background on a computer so a lot of the scary things we see are not really of our world they're of this digital environment so maybe in some ways that's making scarier movies uh, scary movies less scary I don't know, it's just something that I've, I I was thinking about tonight. It's kind of just a contemplation of mine. But, you know, there really isn't a single explanation for why people enjoy watching scary movies. That's because when we think of a horror movie, we are, and when we watch a horror movie, we're thinking about and we're looking at different kinds of movies and for lots of different reasons. Um, there's a lot of different, factors that 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 come into play here so i think one of the the interesting things is we have a desire and i think this is interesting to me because you can relate the vicarious need to live through something terrifying to the vicarious need that we tend to have to find a a savior in everything like we want government to protect us or we want God and Jesus to protect us. That's what we, I mean, I call it vicarious atonement. We live through Jesus and we hope Jesus saves us from, you know, the, from hell, from our sins, forgives us for our sins. We want government to save us. And um, even though government works with big corporations, we want government to save us from higher drug costs with, without addressing the reason so many people are on the drugs to begin with. Um, we want to, uh, we want to have Jesus or some other whatever God it is you worship or pray to or whatever your religion is. We vicariously look outside of ourselves to others, to priests, to prophets, to gods, to deities, to saviors. So we vicariously look for atonement in other places. And we also vicariously look to be frightened because the fright instinct, if you will, the desire to see the unknown and the unseen and to learn about it and the, the shadow world and all that and et cetera. It is a desire that brings us closer together. And it's a desire that will help feed our chemical addiction, if you will, uh, the dopamine and the endorphins, which are things that you get through sex and things that you get through food. And, 
you know, things that you get from, you know, I mean, we don't have much of a perspective on this, but if you've ever, if you've ever been homeless like me, it's, it's a feeling that you even get knowing that you have a place to stay. You have a house, you have a home, you have an apartment, you have, you have, you have a car, you have somewhere to stay. And once some of those needs are met, uh, there is a, you know, a chemical reaction and we can get so used to it that we just sort of forget about it. But those endorphins and those, um, you know, the adrenaline even, uh, the, the dopamine, these are things that help to drive us in the direction of survival. So in essence, Halloween uh, movies and scary movies in general, horror movies in general, some people might think that they're desensitizing us. And in a way, they, they perhaps are, but they're also allowing us in the same way, I, I would I would argue with a lot of people on this. I think that pornography can actually be healthy, but it depends on what kind of pornography it is. In the same way, horror movies can actually—I mean—they can be scary and they can be disturbing and nightmarish and have you know no real substance to them, or they could be therapeutic, and they could actually help us deal with part of our shadow self. So that's, I mean, I think in that way, these, you know, types of movies and films, these types of TV shows and video games and haunted houses and all that stuff, these are actually positive things where they can be positive, just like Halloween itself. Uh, I, re- I was reading this article from, uh, there's a couple of psychology websites I pulled up. Uh, some guy who's a scholar on the subject of horror, Matthias Klassen, suggests that the tendency that we have to seek out vicarious experiences dates back to the constant danger that our ancestors experienced in the environment where they lived. So for ancient humans, this is the idea. You had to be constantly vigilant so that you weren't prey of a larger or more deadly animal. And in some American cities today, you're having to be just as vigilant it feels to make sure that you're not attacked by some psycho on drugs or some psycho crazy person who wants something else. But it's the same kind of, um, of an idea. It is the idea that we are driven by an instinct to survive first and foremost. And that instinct to survive is, well, you have to eat to procreate, you have sex to survive. You have shelter and protection to stay healthy, you have community. To stay well in mind, healthy in mind, you have community and companionship. And in the, the ancient days of human civilization, or even before human civilization, humans had to be a lot more vigilant. We didn't have walls necessarily to retreat into. You know, we, we didn't have, uh, you know, an abundance of, of things to defend ourselves except fists, rocks, sticks, stones, who knows what people used in ancient times and uh, people had to be a lot more vigilant. And today part of the problem is I think that has actually been exploited by psychologists knowing that we are less vigilant today because we feel safer. There's a balancing act that is happening. A lot of it's perception. A lot of it is the physical niceties that we have, the physical things, the material things. And so that actually allows for predators to prey more on us because we'll, we'll, we'll never see it coming. We'd never expect to let the predator in or the wolf in because, well, we feel so cozy. We feel so comfortable where we are. These are just a couple of the things that I've been reading and researching for tonight's show. I'm not an expert on psychology, but I wanted to learn 
why we do some of the things that we do, why we like horror, why we like scary movies. I'm not sure about gore. I don't think gore is always in the same category, but it, 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 because we don't experience a lot of real life threats, we can experience them comfortably from our home. And, and that could be in movies and video games or whatever. We get the chemical reaction. We can explore the, the shadow and the darkness inside of all of us in one way, in one capacity, by one definition or another. But it can also be exploited. That's why this stuff, I think, is important to understand because if, those, if there are people that understand that humans instinctually, collectively are less frightened by day-to-day interactions and things, then they're never going to see the predator coming. So this is important to learn for self-preservation, I think. And I also think it's just a really interesting subject. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. It's a nightmare before All Hollow Eve or All Hollows Eve right here on the broadcast. rdgable at yahoo.com, tstradio at protonmail.com. The money sign, rdgable for cash app and the books and the subscriptions on the website www.thesecretteachings.info More after this, don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Secret Teachings. For more information on the show or to contact Ryan, visit thesecretteachings.info or email ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com. Hey, this is John Peasy at johnpeasy.com and I'm here with Ryan Gable from The Secret Teachings. So it's taken months, but my new book, Liberty Shrugged, is finally available. Nearly 700 pages with archived images. It will leave you fascinated and wanting more. See, hatred for America and the Constitution is based on misconceptions of history and the rule of law. Charges of racism, sexism, and bigotry don't hold up to history and context. They stem from nullifiers who wanted to replace the Constitution and maintain hierarchy, as with the Confederate Constitution, which aimed to preserve the institution of slavery. But racism was not the foundation of that institution. It was a final justification to defend an institution which had existed forever and for which Western civilization and colonialism was actually taking steps to end. Africans and Arabs organized slave trading far exceeding anything in the Atlantic, and some continue to this day. Also, a woman's role in household duties was as systemic as a man's role in the legislature or on the battlefield. Indian tribes, when they weren't at war with one another, were choosing sides with the Europeans. See, we can't address history from the air-conditioned seats of a progressive university and pass judgments on men, women, and events that we know nothing about. My book, Liberty Shrugged, attempts to dispel countless historical, cultural, and social myths in order to find an objective understanding of history, the present, and the future. It's Liberty Shrugged at www.thesecretteachings.info. I hope you'll get a copy today for yourself, for your friends, for your family. I think you'll really enjoy it. If anyone can hear this broadcast, I'm still on Earth. This is the frequency of Ground Zero Radio. Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis and The Secret Teachings with myself, Brian Gable. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm the last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. 
This is Kev Baker of the Kev Baker Show, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Thanks, Ryan. This is David Knight with thedavidknightshow.com, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Broadcasting from somewhere between the normal and abnormal. A collection of question marks. No reason, no explanation. Just a prolonged nightmare in which fear, loneliness, and the unexplainable walk hand in hand through the shadows. It's The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Why do we like to be scared? Why do we like to be frightened, terrified, etc.? That's what we're exploring tonight on The Secret Teachings. That's what you're listening to right now. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. If you'd like to contact the show, rdgable at yahoo.com, tstradio at protonmail.com, tst underscore underscore radio on Twitter and facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings. I'm asking all of you who have the ability to do so, please leave us a review on any of the podcast or radio players. Please like us on Facebook. Please follow us on Twitter. Really, really would appreciate that. Also, we have subscriptions available and my books available at www.secretteachings.info. If you buy a book or if you subscribe, you keep us on air Monday, three, uh, Monday Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, Monday through Friday, 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific, Ground Zero Dot Radio is the most reliable way to listen. People just continue to message me. Hey, the show went out on this other app. Well, is it Ground Zero Dot Radio? No. Well, then I, I, I can't, you know, we can't deal with that. I, I don't know. I don't want to tell you. That'd be like calling up a big radio station and being like, yeah, your show's not on, um, your show's not on this random app I use. Like, okay. So, like, I, I don't know what... Just go to the place where you find the stream. I don't know what to, I don't know what to, I don't know what to tell people. It's like Jesus Christ, come on! I've, I don't know how many times we have to go through this. It's pretty simple to find the show. Uh, same thing with Clyde Show. I have people message me. Even uh, Clyde and I don't talk every day. We don't. I don't. We don't communicate every day. And I get people messaging me asking me like, "So your show I heard was on, and then Clyde Show came on, or your, you know Clyde Show was on your show came on. Why did you put your show on over Clyde? I'm not running the stream." And then I ask them what they're listening to. Oh, I'm listening to XYZ app. Okay, well, that's that we don't I'm not in control of that. I don't know what I don't know what to tell you. Ground Zero dot radio, aftermath FM the app. I think they're going to change the name to Ground Zero, the Ground Zero app. That's how you listen. Or on the website or on any other radio or podcast player like Apple Podcasts. You can find the show there. It's monetized, but it's free. Or you can subscribe to the archive. So had to get that off my chest before the weekend. It is Friday, October 28th, 2022. Thank you so much for sharing your Friday night with us this weekend. Halloween or Mischief Night into Monday, Halloween. Then you have the Saints Day and the Souls Day and the New Year and all that stuff happening. We probably won't be here Monday. Maybe Tuesday we might be away as well. I am going on a brief camping trip this Halloween weekend. So I might not be here Monday or Tuesday. Uh, either way, there will be a replay in the archives. 
that will be put onto the stream. So don't be afraid. The secret teachings will still be on air. It just won't, might not be a, a brand new broadcast Monday. I got to take a vacation sometimes too. So tonight we're exploring the idea of horror, of uh, fright, why we like to be scared. Part of it is because we have basic necessities, basic needs. We have basic things that we need to obtain or to accomplish. We need shelter. We need community. We need sex. We need com- you know, companionship. We need food. We need water. And instinct drives us to do these things. And then endorphin rushes and dopamine and adrenaline keep us doing these things so we can continue to to live, to, to, to move, to be alive. So in other words, it's basically an instinct which is mixed with chemical rewards for us to do things. I mean, it's kind of like the naughty or nice list of Christmas or the trick-or-treating of Halloween. So when we watch something scary, when we deal with scary ideas and concepts, and this doesn't have to just be movies like a scary movie. It could also be the news. And I don't mean that jokingly. Think about it. When we watch news, when we listen to news, when we listen to what media tells us, especially a lot of alternative media, everything is so terrifying and scary. And well, that drives viewership that drives listenership nobody wants to hear a news report that says well welcome to the nine uh, the six, six o'clock or nine o'clock news everything today was perfect we're now going to go to a live feed of flowers or a live feed of uh, you know the stars no, nobody's going to watch that <laughs> i mean so we, we we seek out things that are controversial that are things that feed our desire to deal with and to experience and to well even to learn about the shadow uh, about the darkness and we're drawn to that women are more drawn to darkness it seems psychologically speaking than men are and um, you know then again some people just don't don't like it at all and I wonder if there's there's something in people who, like for me, I'm one of those people. I don't really like scary movies. I don't really like horror. I don't really like gore. I don't really like, I don't like the news either. I don't really like any of these things. But I, and people think this show is scary sometimes. I don't intend for it to be scary. But I wonder if there's something in me that a psychologist might look at and say, well, actually, there's something wrong with you. You should be seeking out these things. You know, it's obviously one thing if it's a preference, but the reason I say that is because if you're searching for these these types of scary or you know frightful situations, it can actually be very therapeutic. So for one, when you're in a haunted house or when you're in you know your living room playing a video game, your brain is evaluating the situation. And once your brain determines, oh, there's you know some candy and there's a soda and there's a pizza and there's a remote control. We can turn the TV off if too scared. Your brain's like, this is not a threat. But you still can experience the terror, you can still experience the horror. You can still be scared, but there really aren't any consequences for it. You can still watch a suspenseful movie, 
There's no consequences for it, though. Now, some might say that could be detrimental. Some might say that could be damaging. Others would say maybe that's therapeutic. And everybody's, of course, different in what they say and what they experience and what they need. The instinct that drives us forward to procreate, to to consume food, to obtain shelter, to obtain companionship, is an instinct driven by biochemical rushes and uh, opioid-like senses of euphoria. So we're seeking out that euphoria. We get that when we do things within the safety net where we can control the setting. We get that when we push the envelope and we do things that might be dangerous. We seek thrills that could potentially be life-threatening. But if you're able to endure the barrage of anxiety and suspense and your body saying, no, don't do this, self-preservation, 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 you get that sense of self-satisfaction. Now, the more you do it, of course, the more self-satisfaction you get and the more you do it without any danger happening, you do sort of become desensitized to those situations. And I think that's the reason that people can do things like I mean, I I don't know how many, I've never met a person who can do this, but people that climb the side of a mountain without really any ropes. Or, I mean, there's only a handful of people I think who do that in the world, but I think that's part of the reason. People are seeking thrills. The more you do it without negative consequences, then the more safe something very dangerous or potentially dangerous, the more safe it eventually becomes, the more safe it eventually feels. You know, in the same way that somebody when, you know, like maybe when you're a kid uh, or when you're a teenager and you, I mean, even as an adult, and there's a lot of good examples here. Like if you, if you go online and you look up pornography for the first time, even if nobody's around, it's kind of a, a cultural thing that it's, there's, it's a taboo. Maybe not much anymore, but at least it used to be. So you kind of have this sense of guilt and going to have to destroy the computer now. Someone's going to find it as if they also aren't looking at porn, you know. But that's the feeling that you get, like you've done something wrong. But the more you do it, then the less likely you are to feel that anxiety and that suspense. I mean, raise your hand if you've ever been into like a sex shop. I mean, I have. Most people have. So if you've ever been into a sex shop, maybe the first time you go in there, you're like, okay, you're like looking around, making sure nobody's coming, nobody sees you go inside. Then you go in and kind of nervous and walking around and, you know, after a while you loosen up. It's the same thing, people that just have social anxiety. You go, go to a bar or you go to a club or, you know, you go on a date and, the date's going well after a while, the anxiety and the suspense and the fear, it all kind of starts to dissipate. So you can apply that to people that are extreme thrill seekers, and you can apply that to people that just love being scared. And some people just maybe maybe because they it's not that they love being scared, that's why they do it. It's because they've done it so much. At one point they probably were scared, but they've become so and perhaps it's positive, perhaps it's negative. I don't know. Even if I was a psychologist, you know, my opinion would just be one of millions of opinions. It's because people have done certain things so much that it, that they have to continue to push the envelope. 
that's where it can become dangerous. If you're doing similarly dangerous things over and over again, the, the, the fear, the suspense, the anxiety starts to subside. But if you're continuing to push the envelope to the point where it's almost suicidal, then eventually something bad's probably going to happen. And that is the danger with, well, pornography, for example, because personally, I don't think pornography is always a bad thing. It depends on the setting. It depends on the situation that you are in in your life. It depends on, you know, are, are the women and the men you're watching, is there sex trafficking going on? Or are, is it, you know, couples pornography? Is it small companies? Big Like, there, there's a lot of things to factor in. So it's not like you just lump it all into the negative category. But the point is, when you watch something like that, eventually you do become desensitized to certain things. So you always look for new suspense. You always look for new anxieties, new new fears, if you will. You always push the envelope. And I think that in this way, pornography in particular is contributing to a decline in and that, you know, obviously this is a small fragment of it because you've also got chemicals in the water, chemicals in food. You've also got uh, television and all, the, all, all types of other things that are available 24 hours a day that just desensitize our senses to reality. So that's, that's a large part of it. But, you know, people that really don't like pornography would argue that you get desensitized, you keep pushing the envelope, and eventually you get into some really dark stuff. And then you, then you end up in, like, I don't know, the, the, the dark web or something. I mean, that doesn't happen to many people probably, but, you know, it's the idea of pushing the envelope to the point of, of basically um, causing death to a, a part of yourself and to almost like filing down your senses to the point where you just don't feel anything anymore. And that can breed psychotic behavior, violent behavior, aggressive behavior, rape, etc., all those types of things. So th- 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 this is a line that we can draw, and there is a fine line, but when you look at something like horror or you look at something like porn, they can be therapeutic, but too much of it without any context can actually be detrimental. And this is why I don't like reducing everything to these black and white stereotypes where like, you know, some psychologists, I was reading a lot about this last night. Some psychologists say that, you know, people should seek out scary things just to do it because it's therapeutic. I'd say that's really bad psychologist advice because I don't think people should be seeking out those things unless they're ready to deal with them. If you just throw someone into a situation, it can be traumatizing and have the opposite effect. That's why I just cannot stand psychology today. Um, But the idea is some psychologists feel that you should push yourself. Some think that you should, I mean, I'm sure I didn't read a lot about this, but I'm sure some things that think that you should never expose yourself to that because it totally desensitizes you. In the same way, some people are like, yeah, um, they've got a massive porn collection. They watch porn every day or people that are like, you know, a little porn with your, you know, your girlfriend or boyfriend might be a positive thing. And so there's a balance that needs to be struck. And this is the month of balance. This is the month of weighing. This is the month of determining divinity versus materiality, crystallization versus the spirit or the soul. 
and its connection to to higher sources, uh, the higher self, God, call it whatever you want to call. This is the month of Wayne, so bringing balance. And once you weigh and you bring balance, well, then the new year starts. And this is kind of the idea of the new year's resolution, I think, too, because the new year used to be November 1st or you know, different calendar systems, of course, but it used to be right after Halloween, what we call Halloween. So these are the things that drive us in that direction, the instinct, the chemical reactions, the flood of those chemicals, the self-satisfaction, the euphoria. And then, of course, there are, I think, places of plateau and balance that should be reached if you're seeking out intense thrills or if you're searching for things to scare you during Halloween or if you're searching for pornography, the three similar but totally different examples that can can be done healthily or they can be done recklessly and suicidally. And everybody's situation is totally different, so everybody has to make their mind up for themselves. One of the other components to seeking out thrills and things like this is that it brings us closer to others, especially the old idea of bringing a girl to a scary movie. And probably one of the the, the root instinctual, I think it's instinctual, the root instinctual driving forces in all of this is, well, what killed the cat? Curiosity. We are curious about the dark side. And, you know, that's why women are traditionally into like mysterious men, you know, tall, dark, handsome, mysterious men, that kind of cultural stereotype. But it's something that you look at bands, you look at, I mean, think about it. Think of the names of all the shows that we do here on The Secret Teachings. Look at the names of Clyde's shows. I mean, I can speak from personal experience and and also having talked to Clyde about some of his shows before he does them. Sometimes names just come up. But when I'm thinking of a name for a show, uh, usually it comes to me instinctually. Sometimes, though, when I have to think of a name, I try to pick a name that has an oomph to it uh, or an image that has an oomph to it. Because, you know, no one's going to probably click on a show, even if it's a good show, if the promo picture is just a heart that says, love everybody, episode 55. You know, who's going to click on that? You want to see, like last night, my my promo picture was a, a basically a rotting pumpkin throwing up pumpkin seeds, and it's called Upsetting the Apple Cart. I thought it was clever. Tonight is the nightmare before All Hallows' Eve, and we have that image of the ant that was taken by the guy in Lithuania, and this ant looks like something from Men in Black, just looks really evil and demonic, but it's just a little ant. It's not evil and demonic. Um, maybe if you were on an ant's level, it would be evil or demonic, you know, to you, but this is just, these are just archetypes, how we portray things. So, you know, it makes, it makes sense that we're drawn to that darkness. And I can tell you from firsthand personal experience, this is what really facilitates, I think the growth of uh, late night radio, because it's not just things that are scary. It's things that are based on human curiosity, like, like, for example, I'll give you a couple examples, actually. I read this article. I actually sent it to Brad Olson last week. So I want to pull up the text with him. I read this article last week. I sent it to Brad, I think, last, last weekend or something. Uh, ancient DNA 
from one million years ago discovered in Antarctica. It is a one million year old, what they call SEDA DNA or S-E-D-A DNA for sedimentary ancient DNA recovered from samples beneath the floor of the Scotia Sea north of the Antarctic. Fragments of organic material that can be invaluable in charting the history of the region. Fucking millions of years old. I also saw, I'd have to pull this up again, somewhere in my, uh, here it is, my search. I pulled this up last week and I was reading this. I almost actually did a show on it. Uh, World's oldest complete star map lost for millennia found inside a medieval manuscript. This was October 26th. This was last week. Uh, The map segment, which was found beneath the text on a sheet of medieval parchment, is thought to be a copy of the long-lost star catalog of the 2nd century B.C. And um, it's a really, really lengthy article. The findings and the research were published on the 18th of October in the Journal for the History of Astronomy. And it talks about the Greek astronomer Hipparchus, who basically just studied the heavens compulsively, just nonstop studied the heavens, and proposed that the... Earth wobbled and rotated, and that's why stars in the sky seem to move and all of that. I thought those two stories were really interesting because those two things pique our curiosity. The ancient world, of which we have more evidence for, we have lots of evidence for different types of things. We have lots of uh, you know artifacts and statues and art and uh, megalithic structures and all that. But we're still fascinated by it because we don't exactly understand how those things were built or how these people had this kind of information or had this kind of knowledge. So that's part of our curiosity. And that's also, you wouldn't consider reading about ancient civilization to be a dark thing, but that's part of our dark side. So Dark side, just like this ant, is not always evil. We are looking for things that part of that driving instinct looking for things that will allow us to learn. And we have an instinct to explore. I imagine that's part of the reason humans exist here as we do. We are here to learn, to explore. If you are a a hermeticist, if you are a scholar or a magician, a ceremonial magician, you know that part of the esoteric instinct, if you will, is to learn and to grow, and to procreate, and to transform. Uh, That's the alchemical process. So all of this drives us forward. Yeah, the chemical reactions. Yeah, the seeking out of pleasure, um, pleasure providing things like sex or food, etc. But also we have a curiosity or a dark side, which isn't a dark side where we're exploring our deep, dark fetishes or fantasies or deep, dark um, uh, desires to be frightened or sign up for that one haunted house they have every year where you basically sign away your rights for the night. And then they, they literally, they actually literally torture you like rip your fingernails. I mean, some people are into that. I don't know that to me, that to me is like some, that's some Arkham asylum stuff there. I don't know what, what's going on, but people want to do it. I mean, I, I don't see why it should be. Um, I, I mean, I guess, I guess I could see both sides of the legal argument of that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to have my fingernails ripped off, though, okay? So I don't think I'm going to be going to that haunted house. But the dark side is not necessarily a demon or a monster. And it's not necessarily the inner self, the shadow self. It's the dark side of, like, 
trying to figure out what is within the unknown. What don't we know? Which is a whole lot. It's a whole lot we don't know. I mean, if you think actually about what we don't know, it really, it boggles and bottles the mind. Because within our reality, what we see, taste, touch, smell, and hear, it is a fraction, visible light, of a fraction of the electromagnetic spectrum, which is a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of all that is estimated to exist in our universe that doesn't account for parallel dimensions and the immensity of those or the limitlessness of what we interpret to be uh, interpret to be the, the collective, uh, what do they call it in physics? Like when you get all the universes, all the realities, all the dimensions, like super universe or super dimension or super dimensionality or something like that. When you, I mean, it's just, it's beyond comprehension. It's beyond our ability to really comprehend and perceive it, but it's all unknown. So we have a drive to seek the stars or to seek other planets, or we have a drive to peer into other dimensions. And we have a drive to do a lot of things that are not evil. Evil might come out of them, but we have a drive to learn about things. We learn about old star maps and learn about, I mean, at, a million-year-old DNA found in Antarctica. Why is that not front-page news? Because although it's a curiosity, curiosity doesn't sell as well as emotionally-driven tribalism. It doesn't sell, which is like the most rawest, basic form of, 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 of community cultural instinct. And it doesn't sell as well as terror and fear and scaring people that Republicans are going to take away your Medicaid and Medicare and Social Security, and they're going to take away your right to control your body, even though the Democrats are the ones that want to shut things down and segregate people. And I don't, it doesn't, it, but everybody wants to fight with each other. It's Republican fault, Democrat fault, that basic emotionally driven tribalism, and of course, the fear of what's going to happen if you don't vote for this person or that person. And, but curiosity is, is really a close third to that. Because curiosity is what pushes us in the quote-unquote right direction. When we can make sense of things, life becomes a lot easier. Things aren't so confusing. And when we abide by our natural instinct, it even if that pushes us into an uncomfortable situation, that is like the daemon that helps us to grow. It's the daemon that helps us to become a, for lack of a better word, a better person. Uh, that's the whole idea of the daemon, the demon, the shadow, and the dark side, which isn't always evil. The dark side is a curiosity peering into the unknown, which is dark until you learn about it. Then you realize, oh, there's nothing really that scary in the dark. I guess sometimes there is something scary in the dark, though. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. More after this. It is a nightmare before All Hallows Eve tonight on the broadcast. Don't go anywhere. You are listening to The Secret Teachings. To contact the show, to share information and your opinion, or give recommendations, email rdgable at yahoo.com. Visit the Facebook page, 
facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings or visit the website at www.thesecretteachings.info if you enjoy the secret teachings and want to hold years of ryan's research in your hands grab a physical and digital copy of his books occult arcana will introduce you to sacred myths folklore and alchemy the technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and ai to black goo and ufos Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. Visit thesecretteachings.info. People ask me all the time what they can do to take control of their lives when facing a daily onslaught of dis and misinformation. I say take control of your body and mind with water filtration. Visit www.thesecretteachings.info and click on our affiliate sponsor link with Pro One Water Filters at the top of the page to search for a water filter for the home, camping trip, and even the shower. They filter countless contaminants and make a wonderful gift for friends, family, and yourself. That's Pro One Water Filters at thesecretteachings.info. The Secret Teachings radio show is on Facebook and Twitter. Just search facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings to like us and TST underscore underscore radio to tweet with us. If you'd like to hear more of The Secret Teachings, if you missed a show or part of a show, sign up to the ever-expanding archive at thesecretteachings.info. When you subscribe for a month or a year, you get access to the full show archive to every show after it airs. You can download and stream unlimited episodes and share your login with friends or family. With your subscription, you can also get access on the website to all of Ryan's digital books and the ever-growing montage archive. Just visit thesecretteachings.info and click on the Donate Subscribe tab at the top of the page. Use the secure PayPal link and start your membership today. By subscribing, you support The Secret Teachings, Ryan, and yourself. Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Excellent shows. Keep listening with your host, Ryan Gable. Think about your hero when you're at ground zero and call out to the follow back to me. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is the frequency of The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Hi everyone, this is Mark Passio, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Music tonight is White Bat Audio. I'm Ryan Gable, and the show you're listening to is The Secret Teachings. Humans are driven by reward based instincts that rely on biochemical reactions in the body and brain to encourage expansion of life and learning and of experience. When we seek food, water, sex, shelter, community, companionship, etc. We are driven by dopamine and endorphins, sometimes adrenaline, into self-preservation. Sometimes it provides us with this almost opioid-like feeling, this uh, feeling of uh, euphoria. 
It is a euphoria that we can obtain also by pushing the envelope and attempting to do things that might be dangerous. But the more that we do them without danger occurring, the more we continue to do them, the more, and this could be positive or negative, it could be preserving or threatening, we become sort of desensitized and comfortable So we continue to do those same things or we continue to try to find new things that give us the same rush, the same kind of euphoria that we got out of things that no longer give us that rush, which is why doing certain extreme things are not only already dangerous, but the more that you do them, the more chances are that something bad's going to happen and the more you watch pornography unregulated. I mean, there has to be some level of regulation to that and to food and to different things like this. You can't just survive on candy. Your body's going to lack any kind of, you know, any and every kind of nutrient. And then you're going to be pumped full of drugs. And then you're going to eventually die miserably. You can't live on candy. Your relationship can't be pornography. And you're not going to survive very long if you do things that are, well, always life-threatening. This is really obvious, but there's a relationship between all this stuff. Like if you're seeking out food, there can be too much food. If you're seeking out sex, there can be too much sex. There can be too much, I would argue, of all the things that we seek as, a, uh, as an intuitive, instinctual thing, which is driven by adrenaline, dopamine, endorphins, etc., to cultivate Uh, the preservation of self. Uh, You know, euphoria is a reward. Uh, These different kinds of opioid-like feelings are rewards, but there is a danger to having so much of that that you sort of lose yourself. I'm not, personally, I'm not a proponent of the the, uh, living, I'm not sure how to say this, living uh, always inebriated. I don't mean alcohol or even drugs. I mean like, constantly living in a state of of euphoria i can't imagine that that's actually good for your body for your brain for your psyche for your spirit or for your soul i guess that depends on what line of thought you agree with you know are humans sent here to experience those things or are we sent here to experience suffering to understand and appreciate the good stuff since we have both it's probably a mixture right you can't really appreciate euphoria unless you've experienced suffering. You can't really experience suffering unless you've experienced or understand suffering unless you've experienced euphoria. So sometimes we push the envelope. We we go beyond what is is reasonable. And if we do that enough and we survive, then the instincts that we have to continue to do that are verified and confirmed and strengthened uh, by the fact that our anxiety and stress and worry and stuff start to diminish. Uh, And that can obviously be a dangerous thing as well. So, I mean, this is just basically the study of psychology. And this is something I looked into tonight so that I could try to figure out why we really like being scared, why we really like haunted houses, why do we really like scary movies and TV shows and video games and stuff like that. Part of it's also because humans all have a shadow side, a dark side, but that dark side is not evil. It is our daemon, and a daemon is not evil either. And a dark side 
doesn't have much to do with, um, let's say, like a dark Darth Vader-like villain. A dark side is basically our desire to seek, our desire to know a natural and instinctive thing that we do. We are curious. We want to find things out. We want to learn about things and experience things. So some people understand that, and some people want to use this understanding of human psychology to control you, to control us. Others use it because they know that this is what humans, how humans act and interact and function. So that's probably one of the reasons that you see so many um, so many things uh, from radio to television where everything is just very dark and kind of Saturnistic and there isn't a lot of light, fluffy stuff. Because then again, who wants to see that? You know, who wants to see hearts and love 24 hours a day, seven days a week with people? I mean, that's that's a state of stagnation. And, you know, I, I know last, was it last week or the week before last, my friend Jack came on the show. And Jack was talking about how um, how a lot of a lot of us, you know, we'd be in such a better position if we could just. I forget exactly what he said. We, if we just like learn to get along and you know everything, we could make a utopia essentially. I don't want to put words in Jack's mouth, but something to that effect. And I, and I said, yeah, I don't think that's realistic though, because in order to create that scenario, people have to be forced to do things they don't want to do. I don't want to live in a world where everything is perceptually perfect. Because within this body, with these senses, that sounds like a prison sentence to me. That sounds horrible. Not that I want to experience bad stuff, but in order to understand the good, I have to have the bad. And I had a bunch of people email me, and they agreed with Jack, and they were like, "Ryan's a Ryan's. You know, you're a, you're a bigot. Your friend was right. Just if we just had this, it's like, yeah. If you just, but you don't have that. You don't have that. You don't have the perfection, and you're not going to get the perfection." And it's not because I have that mindset. It's just because that's not human nature and human instinct. Human instinct, I don't care what anybody tells you, human instinct is something that you feel. We all feel the same thing. Call it a computer program. Call it whatever you want to call it. It's an instinct. It's a drive to do things that sometimes might be scary, but they lead to growth. If you don't have the daemon ripping at you, tearing at you, slashing you, you're not going to grow. I mean, otherwise, what is the point spiritually of life to just be stagnant, to just be to just be totally in, in inhibited in everything that you do or don't do? No, the purpose is to grow and to, to go beyond that. So we're driven by this reward based instinct. And that's the biochemical reactions in the body. We're seeking out euphoria. We're seeking out pleasure. These are the, you know, the pleasure centers. We're seeking out things that make us feel good. But in order to obtain those things, sometimes we have to go through hardship. And all this relates to the reason that we like to be scared. Uh, and, and of course, why we are so curious about um, the world. We, we, want to, we, don't, we don't, want to, don't want to be stagnant. We want to go out and we want to experience things, some people more than others. Um, there's a psychological theory called excitation theory. And it's the theory that horror like scary movies and stuff, stimulates elevated levels of psychological arousal because of the fear that it induces. Uh, of course, you know, mainstream media does the same thing. And the, uh, the fear that it induces intensifies 
your feeling of relief and enjoyment. So it leads to a, a high, basically. Again, that's excitation theory. It's a similar, similar concept to basically pushing the envelope of what is or isn't possible. You, you're being inundated with fear and these responses and the reactions and you're paying attention. You know, our, our ancestors had to pay a lot more attention to survive. So you're paying a lot of attention and it kind of feeds into this, oh my God, that's so horrible, but I'm not experiencing it right now. So I'm relieved. It's, it's fine. And then you kind of maybe enjoy life a little bit more for just a split second and you get this euphoric high. And studies have backed up this theory, uh, at least for males. It's a little different for females. I know it's amazing. The two are different. Uh, for one example, a study found that more distress for male participants, more distress was equal to more arousal while watching the horror film. So the more stress that the male felt watching the film, the greater they felt after the film was over because they were in control of the environment. They were in a situation, we've all watched a scary movie, you're in a situation you can control it. So in trying to understand why we like these things, that's part of the reason because the more that we're stressed out and terrified, the more we start to delight in it. Now, I want you to take that and apply it to uh, like political media. You're stressed out by what are the Republicans going to do? What are the Democrats going to do? And at the end of the news broadcast, at the end of the segment, at the end of whatever you're watching or listening to, well, if you're going through all that stress and all the fear of what are they going to do, you end up feeling more delighted, if you will, after the film, uh, after the radio, after the, the news. So in other words, excitation theory can be or excitation transfer theory can be applied to mainstream media and to political commentary because you, you get the people aroused and you get the people, you know, kind of frightened and scared. And, uh, you know, according to the psychological analysis of these things and studies, you basically are, you're, in, you're in, encouraging uh, a euphoric state once that experience is over, you, you end up being more excited. Like, and that's, and I think I've experienced that scrolling through Twitter sometimes posting a promo and then scrolling through and seeing what's going on on Twitter and just watching the, 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 the destruction of, of human communication in a lot of ways you scroll through that. And I, it's like, I, I can't stand it. I'm frightened by it sincerely. And yet, when I'm done with it, I want to pick it back up and look at it again because it's almost like a reward. It's like a delightful thing to watch it. That's, a, that's something that kind of scares me about myself because we're, we're all like this to some degree, some more than others. Uh, another study found that our enjoyment of horror movies can be explained by the fact that they satisfy our curiosity about the dark side of humanity, which is what I mentioned earlier. Uh, that society ensures that most of us don't really have to experience something potentially uh, life-threatening all the time. We don't really have to face those scary monsters, so we repress the dark side. Um, or others would argue that we repress the dark side because to, to be dark, to express the darkness, would be looked uh, down upon, would be frowned upon in society. So horror movies let us vicariously explore the nature of evil both in other people and in ourselves and help us to grapple with the darkest parts of humanity 
in a safe environment. That's why some people believe, some psychologists believe that it's therapeutic. Horror movies are a risk-free way of vicariously experiencing threats. You can also kind of rehearse your, I mean, everybody does that, right? The zombie breaks in. What's the first thing you grab? What's the first weapon? You know, I, uh, I don't know what, what, what would, I don't know what I would grab most of the time. I don't know. I mean, I got, I got scissors here on the desk, but I got an AR 15 behind me. So I'd probably, I'd probably grab that and, and, uh, cock it back and get ready to go. But I think that, um, I think that's a fascinating point because everybody's kind of joked about that, right? Like you've, you've probably all thought this at one point or another, you've watched a movie and you're like, well, what would I do in that situation? If it like, I'm talking, we all, we all, okay, that's a silly way to put it. We all do that anyway, but I'm talking about like a really, really terrifying, scary movie or something like that, or a scary video game. Like, what would I do if I was actually in this situation? Not like a comical, like, oh, what would I do? It's more like a, like a, like a very serious, like, what would I do in this situation? Would I get the baseball bat, the gun? What would I go after? So it's a risk-free way to vicariously experience threats and to rehearse our response to those threats. It's a way to explore the nature of evil in ourselves and uh, you know, and uh, just in humanity in general, like to be able to explore the, quote, darker side of, of human uh, existence, which, you know, isn't evil. Dark isn't always an evil thing. I can't express how much that is an important thing to grasp. And uh, numerous other studies have shown that um, those high in the trait of sensation seeking, obviously, they're going to enjoy these kinds of things a little bit more. So people that are always looking for new sensations, looking for more intensity in life, they're basically wired to enjoy the extracurricular stimulation of really disturbing, scary things. Now, funny enough, there's actually a psychopathic component to this, as you could imagine. People lower in the trait of empathy, people that have a hard time empathizing with others also tend to enjoy horror movies more because, well, they're less impacted by the suffering on the screen. And I, I don't know how the best way to determine your empathy level is, but like for me, I can like, I, I, I can watch a horror movie. I'm just not a big fan of it. The one thing I, I definitely will, cannot watch at all is like if anything's happening to a baby. I can't watch anything like that. I can't watch. There was a was a commercial for a TV show I saw. It was like um, it was like uh, what was it like fetal surgery, like performing surgery on a fetus in the womb. And I was like, there's no way I can watch that. I just babies for me. That's the cutoff. And chill. I mean, children in general. That's the kind of the cutoff for me. So I'm like, okay, good. I have empathy. I have empathy. That's a good thing. I've got empathy. Uh, but that doesn't mean that, you know, if you have, if you're very empathetic, that you don't enjoy horror movies. There's the people that tend to be more psychotic, people that tend to have less empathy, obviously are going to enjoy those things more. Um, and people that seek out thrills or people that seek out, I wouldn't say they're seeking out pain, but, you know, women and men experience pain differently. Men experience pain in a way that is more muscular, if you will. And they can withstand um, greater force to their physical bodies. Women experience pain in a different way. Pain can be necessary. Pain can be euphoric. Pain is birth. Pain is life. I mean, again, that's back to that show we did two weeks ago. And I had a couple people tell me that, 
why can't we live in a utopia? It's like, I don't know, then build it. Build, build the utopia then without killing anybody. I don't, I don't know what you want me to do. I'm saying it would be nice to live in that, sure. But then again, probably not so much because it, without pain and suffering, you're not going to be able to understand what a utopia is. It just becomes some brainwashed corporate state where everything is controlled by by a handful of, like, well, like a Politburo. They've tried that. It murders everybody. So I'm done with the utopian idea. We can create a better society. It's not going to be a utopia, though. There's always going to be people suffering. We should always try to make sure those people aren't suffering. And if we do have a utopia, people are going to be stagnant. I just don't think that, I don't think the word utopia has a lot of different meanings. And sure, it's nice to just talk about it on radio. Like, oh, it's so nice to think about the love and the light. But that's not reality, okay? Reality is love, light. It's also pain and darkness. And you got to mix the two together or things become very imbalanced. So if you have less empathy, you tend to like these movies more. And for some reason, I don't know if I if I really understand this, but most studies show that. And I don't know, I don't know how I should explain this, in my opinion, in my view, in my experience, my experience, that's the best word in my experience. I've I don't think this is the case, but. According to surveys and studies and things like that, men are far more likely to enjoy uh, scary movies. Part of it's because um, females tend to experience more fear and anxiety than males do. However, I'm not sure if it's women's, quote, liberation or if it's something else. In my experience, most women I've known in my life, friends or people I've dated, have always loved being scared out of their minds. And it's never something I've been into. So I don't know. That's just a personal bias. But across the board, statistically, men tend to be more interested in these things. Women, not so much because women are different than men. And they're not equal to men. And men are not equal to women. We're different things, okay? We have different body parts. It's, it's just science, but males tend to enjoy them more. Women tend to be more frightened, more anxious. But women also tend to be able to deal with different kinds of pain that men can't deal with. So that makes women stronger in those ways. And then when you bring the two together, you, you get a family and you get you get alchemical connection and unification and positivity. And that's a good thing. Females also tend to be higher than males in um, just general sensitivity or what they call disgust sensitivity. That's at least what the psychologists say. And then, of course, there's a growing body of research that suggests that horror movies, not horror movies, but horror movies, could be used in clinical settings to help people with anxiety or trauma, which I kind of think is interesting because, you know, horror movies give me anxiety. Uh, they, they can be traumatizing for some people. A recent study showed that people who watched horror movies were less psychologically distressed by the COVID-19 pandemic. I actually did. I remember this study. I did a show on this. Uh, and those who were fans of the apocalyptic subgenre of horror felt more prepared for additional waves of the pandemic. <clears throat> That's interesting. But it also kind of explains. Um, I find this part disturbing. It also kind of explains why a lot of people seemed to want to just do what they were told because it was like they were living in a movie. Don't think psychologists didn't think of that when they attempted to exploit human psychology uh, and desire for community and companionship and keeping yourself and others healthy to advance their political and um, 
we'll leave it at that agenda. So people who watched apocalyptic movies, people who were watching uh, scary movies, more prepared for the pandemic. And maybe I was too, because I talk about things that could be considered quite scary here on The Secret Teachings quite a bit. So people who consume horror develop the ability to cope with stressful and anxiety-provoking situations. However, too much of that, and if you already weren't suffering from a lack of empathy, you could develop a lack of empathy by starting to relate what you see on the screen to real life by disassociating the two and not being able to tell what is real and what is fiction. And that can be really, really dangerous. Now, it's not like all on the surface. A lot of it can be subconscious. So you start to lose a sense of well, emotion. You start to lose a sense of feeling. And when you see something bad happen in the world around you, and this is the scary monster shadow side in all of us, you have less concern for it. And uh, and I mean, everybody's different. Everybody has different views and has different experiences. But generally speaking, this is this is what happens. We we are exposed to too much of it. And then you don't you know, if it's okay. so if it's like something that's gory. You know, when you see someone with their arm blown off in a war or something and soldiers see enough of that, they sort of become desensitized to it. And it messes with the brain and rewires the brain the same way when you see a man with what well, you think's a woman, but then they turn out to be a man with fake boobs. But, you know, they're dressed like a woman, but they're actually a man. But then they've got a beard on, but they kind of look like a woman that messes with the wires in your head in the same way. If you see too many, you know, naked women watching porn, then, you know, the next time you have sex, you might not be as aroused. Uh, it doesn't mean porn's bad. It doesn't mean that, you know, if you want to dress up in a dress, don't dress up in a dress. But there are. There are psychological components to this that uh, always need to be factored in. And it's just a fascinating subject. And that's why I wanted to talk about it tonight on the show. So there's a lot of different things that we do there. You know, we're driven by reward based instincts that rely on biochemical reactions in the brain and the body to encourage uh, life and learning and experience. We look for pleasurable things, food, water, shelter, community, companionship, sex, etc. We're driven by dopamine and endorphins, adrenaline, etc. into self-preservation. But we also look to push the envelope. We're looking for this euphoria. We're looking for this opioid-like um, response in the body. So we're looking for these pleasures. Some people can exploit that. They know that. They understand human psychology. They can exploit that to sell products or sell you ideas, etc., to exploit our anxiety, stress, and worry. And studies show that when people are stressed and people are worried and people are afraid, well, we actually tend to, depending on what it is that we're watching, we actually tend to enjoy, like a scary movie, we tend to enjoy it more after we've, we've uh, gone through the, you know, the, more, the stress, the more stress we go through the more we tend to enjoy it. So keep that in mind the next time you're watching the news. Uh, excitation transfer theory. I, I can't stand all these theories, but I read about this one. It's just, it's th- that idea. It's the idea that the more arousal you experience watching a horror film, the greater the delight is after the film. Think mainstream media. High sensation seekers, of course, search for these kinds of things. They want the new sensations. Uh, people who consume horror develop 
an ability to cope with stress, say psychologists, but obviously that's not the case for everybody. Just some really interesting things to think about. And I really hope that you enjoyed tonight's broadcast of The Secret Teachings. If you haven't seen this ant photo, I wonder if any of it's kind of computer generated. I know it's supposed to be five times magnified, but it looks like this big monster. It looks like something from Men in Black or something from some other dimension, or, but it's an ant, which is interesting. I, I think that um, you see little things like this. You don't think about an ant as being scary unless you're in the perceptual realm of the ant. If you're that small, the ant's probably going to be a lot more scary, just like a bird's not that scary. But if you ever watched A Bug's Life, the bird seems pretty scary when you're only that tall, <laughs> you know, when you're really small. So that's kind of the thing that as humans... We, we, look, um, we look around us, we look into the universe for the potential for life. And, you know, as a, as a human community, we tend to think that anything beyond our world is, well, it's, it's a threat, potentially a threat. Uh, that's all, the, that's the instinct. That, when I say human instinct, that's what I mean. We definitely search our environment for threats. Some people definitely can find therapy in horror and even in pornography. But those things can also be detrimental, they can be dangerous, and others can also use them to exploit us. So these are all things to think about. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings Radio. It is Friday into Saturday, October 28th, 2022. This weekend, the trick-or-treating, I'm sure, is going to take place in most places. Halloween, toward the end of this weekend, Monday, the, uh, the 31st, I don't know when people celebrate Halloween anymore. It's like a whole season now, but they got the Christmas stuff out, Christmas stuff ready. Um, I'm ready to put Halloween behind us and get back into some other interesting stuff here on The Secret Teachings next week. I might not be here Monday. I probably won't be here Monday. Don't freak out. The show will still air. It just might not be a new show. You can always find the show The Secret Teachings on any radio or podcast player. Please leave us a review especially on Apple Podcasts. That's the big one. You leave us a review, five-star rating, let other people know what you think of the show. It doesn't cost you anything. Just make sure it submits when you, when you plug it in. Email rdgable at yahoo.com, tstradio at protonmail.com. I've set up a cash app now, so if you want to buy a book with cash app or if you want to subscribe with cash app, it's the money sign, rdgable. It's basically the email. It's the money sign already Gable. So you can scan the QR code on the website. I'm just trying to provide another new platform because of the PayPal debacle, but we still do PayPal. And uh, then we have uh, the Twitter account, TST underscore underscore radio, facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings. And I think that's, that's about it. Other than next week, I think I'm going to try to cut the three minute breaks down to two minutes. I told you last night about that. I'd like to, um, Get some feedback on that. Cut the three-minute breaks down to two minutes. Uh, I hope that doesn't affect the the income of the show. So uh, please subscribe. Please buy a book, Occult Arcana, Food Philosophy, The Technological Elixir, and Liberty Shrugged, all on the website. Otherwise, stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy. Don't be afraid. Be informed. Have a good Halloween weekend. Fun trick-or-treating or trunk-or-treating And we will talk to you next week. I'm going to take a little vacation this weekend. Hope you have a nice weekend. I know that I will. I'm going to do some reading, a little bit of camping. 
and uh, just try to enjoy a little bit of time off. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. The music, White Bat Audio. We'll be back next week.